sunshine has brought out the grass is freshly cut. The temperature has risen just enough to make it almost t-shirt weather. And of course, the workplace banter is better. That's right, ladies and gents, it's finally finals footy time. However, if you got stung by the ticket check trap last week, fear not. Our proud sponsors, the Yorkshire Hotel, have you covered. Every game live, every beverage served with a smile, every meal cooked just right. If you're not heading to the game, make sure you head down to the Yorkshire Hotel on the corner of Language Street and Punt Road to catch all of the funnels action. And so before I introduce the Vaffa Grand Funnel Bound super coach, Baz himself, and ask for his trademark spice, I'm just going to remind you that we'll be releasing our end-of-season report cards over the next four weeks. So get ready for home truths, hard facts, and honest grades on your club's 2018 performance. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or Instagram TV, and share with your friends to remind them how good your club's season was or how bad their season was as well. All right, without further ado, I welcome to the pod the Grand Final Vaffa Under-19 Bound coach, Brian Baz Randall. How you doing, mate? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for the uh, introduction. <laughs> uh, yes, off to the granny this weekend, mate. Yes, you sound uh, almost more nervous than proud or... No, I'm pretty happy, to be honest. Like, Good. You know, did it the hard way, but granny's a granny, so it doesn't matter what level you're at or, you know, grand final's a grand final. You don't make them very often and they're usually pretty hard to win at any level. So, you know, hopefully the boys, for their sake, can win it, you know. It's their, their memories there, you know, they're going to cherish it more than probably, not that I won't, but just saying, like, you know, group of mates and everything, I'm just there for them, hopefully to win it, so... Yeah, unfortunately the seniors lost to Trini. Trini were very, very bloody good on the weekend, and uh, yeah, I reckon they're, they're a sneaky chance to upset the uh, the Apple Card, huh? The Vaffa AFL teams, so uh, in Collegians and Scobs, it was interesting. It was an interesting game that was as well on Saturday, the Scobs and uh, Collegians game. But anyway, that's uh, more Vaffa talk than AFL so, talk. All right, do you have any of your famous barreled spice to drop on us this week, Baz? No, nah, not really. Look, it's Pretty pretty boring week, hasn't it, for footy? There's a lot of trade talk already starting, and yeah, you know, blokes requesting trades and stuff. I think uh, I think there's been enough spice this week in the media, but just looking forward to the finals and yeah, just funny how some people are just all of a sudden writing off teams have been red hot all year. So yeah, very strange. I think the good thing about the buy, as Clarko said today, was obviously if you got blokes who are injured gives them an extra week to play and I think in long term you want the best players to play in the most important games so that's a tick the bad thing however is it gives us about 10 days too long to think about games to think about things and for our mainstream media friends to try and fill the papers and fill the time slots because there's nothing to talk about because they can't say anything because there's nothing going on so you get the things like this bloke's going here of course he is no he's not of course he's not blah 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 so and today we get the old news about Tom Lynch going to Richmond. Well, sorry, that's pretty old news. I pretty sure Carrot broke that in about round three this yeah. year. So uh, everyone just go back and check out that episode of Footy Classified and uh, we'll take the ad money for the uh, shout out. Finals week one preview. Thursday night, Richmond versus Hawthorne for the first time ever in the history of football in a finals game. It's Dusty versus Tom Mitchell. It's Harbour versus Clarkson, Master versus Apprentice, the old era of pro football versus potentially a new dynasty. Last time I met, Richmond won by a comfortable margin in the end, 102 to 89. Baz, what's your overarching view on this game? Richmond win and win pretty comfortably. Comfortably? Well, not comfortably. Like, I reckon it'd be a five, six goal margin. It'll be pretty tight for most of the game. 
you know, the weather's meant to be pretty ordinary, it, you know, so that if the weather's, if it's going to be wet and ordinary, it takes away, you know, Hawthorne's short kicking game, the one that everyone's been talking about for the last two weeks and how smart Clark's and how he's been preparing for them. Well, you know, they did absolutely belt them earlier in the year. I know it was round three, but they had them covered. You look at uh, Hawthorne's bottom six, and it just it just worries me a bit. You know, you've got lots of miles out there, although he's been he's been dropped. Um, so yeah, McAvoy's playing. They got him starting at forward. Yeah, just it just the team isn't as good on paper as you know Richmond. So like Showmakers, Morrison, you know Nash, like they're not great. Showmakers has made a career hmm. in the AFL, but a few others haven't. And, you know, I just Rick, Henderson across half back is he a top one? I know Burton is you know had a bit of a rough year and you know he's missed five six games, hasn't he? He's the one that got yep. against Carlton. So and you look at Richmond, you, their spine of just you know Rewalt, Cochin, uh, Rance, Asprey, you know Big Nank, and you know Preston in the midfield, obviously Cochin and Martin. Caddy, just Edwards. There's just too much class for me. And I don't care what game style you play. I think class does play a big role in who's going to win or not. And yeah, I just think that Richmond will win pretty comfortably, especially if it's wet. Their style will just suit the wet. So I suppose you have to you have to kind of hunt for the things that people think you can punch holes in Richmond's game plan. So it's things like you know, do you play two rocks so you can exploit the fact that Sean Greek has to be the interim ruck when Nate needs to go to the bench. But I think and things like that. Like, are those are those things going to be a big enough difference for you to, to exploit? See, Richmond will get on a roll. Richmond will lock the ball in their forward fifty. There'll be periods where they absolutely dominate the game. So, how much can Clarko do in those twenty percent periods where they're, where they're not completely dominating to turn the game in his favour? Is that is that a sense? Like, do you, are they playing tall because they want to try and exploit the second ruck? Maybe, but I don't reckon it'll work. Single, you know, handy ruckman, but he's no. Out and out like gun, hmm. McAvoy might will probably win most ruck taps anyway. So, and you heard Chris Judd the other night on TV saying that apart from you know getting the tap off your own ruckman, sometimes when you're playing against opposition ruckman who's dominant, it's easier in the midfield to read their taps because you read the opposition players' cues, all those sorts of things. So you can get you can get a you know that's probably why you know Max Gorn as good as he's been all year with his taps. You know Melbourne, you know some there's been a few games this year where they've been smashing the midfield because opposition teams are reading their taps so the same with Nick Nat you know Nick Nat gets a lot of hit outs to advantage but he also gives a lot of hit outs straight to the opposition so I don't reckon it's a, a tactic that's going to work in Hawthorne's favour Richmond had 8 people shortlisted in the All-Australian as you said yeah. hugely strong spine and they're ranked in the top 4 across every important KPI in the comp so it's not like they have a glaring weakness that playing slow tempo footy will, will alleviate it's just yeah. that it just goes against what Richmond try and play yeah, in the last three or four weeks, you know, they definitely played it below their best. Looking forward to this final, they're there now, and I think they'll be they'll be they'll have a red hot crack. And you know, Hawthorne will probably turn up for a quarter or two, and we'll go into my bed about this game soon. But I, I just can't see how they've had a good run the last six weeks. We talked about it last week with what uh, Clarkson said on the radio about you know where they're actually at and where he thinks they're at. And I don't think they're up to this yet. Yeah, I just worry about that. You know, they've got some great players, don't you know, Burgoyne and Ruffy and, and, you know, Bruce and uh, Gunston, those sorts of blokes, but they're not going to be any match for Richmond for me. All right, so we'll move on to putting our money where our mouths are. What is your angle for this one, Baz? Well, I thought for this game I'd, I'd give give a few different bets. So yeah. my first goal scorer would be Josh Cuddy, 13 bucks. 
if the weather does come, if the weather does come, then I reckon under 154. Richmond covered a line, but my main bet will be at half time for Richmond to be leading between 13 and 24 points, which is $4.30. Okay, that's a very particular bet there. Any reason? I reckon it'll be a close game, you know, probably to midway through the second quarter, it'll be, you know, pretty tight and they'll probably just be up by three or four goals. And then after half time, I reckon that's where you'll find Richmond win. I wouldn't be surprised they won by 40 or more as well. There you go. I just have a feeling the, the even constant, even with the rain, yeah, because the constant pressure, like they average, you know, over sixty percent in their four half most games, and that constant pressure with the quality they've got, it's you know, I know Frawley's back and Sisley's back, but Sisley's a bit underdone, you know, hot headed, will they get under his skin? Frawley's not as good as he once was. Plus, their other backs are a bit. I don't think there's that up, you know, great backmen, and they got some pretty talented forwards down there that can make a lot happen. I just reckon it's the yeah the the midfield battle will be important if Mitchell gets a hold of him. Even last time, you know, he had forty odd touches, mm. but Richmond were cruising the whole game until you know they took the foot off the pedal in the last quarter. Um, so yeah, the midfield of Richmond should should handle the midfield of Hawthorne. I just can't see Hawthorne getting forward and kicking a score either. Yes, and uh, even if this game is quite tight, the trends all year have been that when Richmond has to win a game. So when they bounce back from a loss, when they're playing a team that they need to be inside the top eight or top four, they dominate in that last quarter. And so that's the trend I'm backing in for one of my bets. Richmond to win the fourth by more than four and a half points. And that's especially exacerbated by the fact that Hawthorne are ranked 13th in the league for fourth quarter performances. Yep. So when you start bringing blokes back in who have been missing games, who have been out, not got the match fitness role in the fact they had the bye as well, that's probably the first thing to go. And we saw that last year as well at Richmond. Their winning margins would end up being, you know, on average eight plus goals for all their finals last year. So I reckon I'm with you on this one. I wouldn't actually go towards that 40. Too ambitious for my liking, but definitely cover and definitely Richmond to win the last. Friday night sees getting another unusual matchup for finals games. Despite our hatred and most fat Melbourne fans' lack of hope, the Demons are featuring in finals for the first time in 12 years. Unfortunately for them, however, their first opponent will be one of the AFL's most experienced in funnels footy, facing off against a side that boasts 209 games of funnels experience. But with Hoodoo's broken left, right and centre this season, is this the year, Baz, that the Demons break all their Hoodoo's and go all the way? They are currently the mainstream media darlings. Apparently all their numbers suggest it. David Kinn's convinced that they're going to win it. Clearly, they're the obvious favourites and deserved winners of this game. It hurts me to say this. I reckon Melbourne will win. Yeah, I've, I've been crunching numbers all week looking for that hate angle of because, you know, they've, they've upset us lately, but there is no statistical number, trend, theory that I can find that suggests that Melbourne should not be favourites in this game. Well, Viney comes back as well. I don't know, he's had a long way off, but he's a pretty key cogs out mm. midfield. And yeah, we've seen Geelong have had 200-point wins in a row, and I can tell you from experience this year, 100-point wins leading into a final series is not what you want because the boys get a bit ahead of themselves. They start to keep taking some bad habits into a big game where it's going to be, you know, especially it's going to be a very contested mm-hmm. footy game. And uh, yeah, you start to give yourself a little pat on the back when it's not needed, the old Geelong boys. And yeah, for me, the gone ruck thing, the midfield... Geelong's four, uh, back line versus Melbourne four line. And Melbourne's four line's been pretty good the last few weeks. Um, and it'll just be the Tomahawk really flying alone down there, I think. So I 
I mean, I know they've had a few other blokes pop up over the last few weeks, but, geez, yeah, I just... <laughs> It hurts me to say this, but I think Melbourne could... I reckon it could be a pretty uh, average start to the final series. I reckon it could be two blowouts. And we saw that last year. Like, the average winning margin was pretty large last year, yeah. around that six-goal mark for most games. So, and I think that makes sense in a way that once you break the game open, the good teams don't let you back in. So, yeah, you could see Melbourne getting off to an absolute fly here and the game being over very early. And we said, we've said it twice this year. Round one, I tipped Melbourne to win... One to thirty nine because I thought they had, they were a better team. Smashed along all day, just missed out because Gorney couldn't kick straight and mm. didn't convert. I t- pretty much tipped them against Geelong in Geelong uh, because of the contested ball stuff and the smaller ground at Geelong, and they again dominated the whole game but couldn't convert, couldn't finish, and it went missing a bit late. And you know we, we know what happens from there. I just think it, the same things that happen. They're going to be too strong around the footy. They've got a lot of speed, which Geelong they have. They're going to expose Geelong's back line. And, yeah, I just think that Melbourne are a dead-set Monty. $1.74, the line's four and a half. I can't believe I'm saying this, but, yeah, I'm all over Melbourne. It'll probably be my main bet of the week. If you look at their player rankings for the season so far, they just they bat so much deeper than Geelong as well. Yeah. So, obviously, you've got the massive spikes around your, your Paddy, your Selwood, your Ablett. You're Tim Kelly, and after that, it kind of, you kind of just get back down to standard players. Melbourne this year have a crop of players that are, are in that sub-elite section. So they've got, obviously, Gorn and Clayton combining in the middle, and then after that, they've just got probably you know eight to ten players over in that really cal- like high-caliber players that just will turn up each week, yeah. and, they, and they have now. They've got rid of those hoodoos towards the back of that season, and they, they are looking like a pretty scary team, especially against a team like Geelong that relies on too few players. And I think we'll see this, as you mentioned, like this week with matchups. That if you're a club that relies on one or two players carrying the load, this is, might be the week where you get found out. Yeah, and Geelong's finals record is very, very poor. We forget that, especially the last few years. Like, yeah, they knocked off Sydney last year, but their Geelong record, uh, sorry, their finals record, probably the last two or three years, is not great. Under Scott's not great either. So I mean, yes, they've won a granny and everything, but yeah, the last three, I think the last three or four years have had a pretty poor record in finals, and that's gonna probably again come up after they lose on Friday night. All right, so I have a super close question for you. Yeah. Obviously, coming up against the best ruckman in the comp, he's won some individual player awards already. He's an All-Australian ruckman. Do you try and nullify his effect? on the game or do you concede the ruck battle and go into that sharking mode that Chris Judd mentioned earlier in the week well they've definitely got the midfielders that are good enough to shark but so do Melbourne mm. Goodwin has spoken about this where Gorn is trying to change his taps and, and vary it up a lot so it becomes less predictable and they're, they're trying to throw different blokes through the midfield so that players don't get used to reading their cues of where they're going to go and obviously have the sweepers around stop just so you can hit the space those sorts of things but I reckon that Gorn's more dangerous at the moment where we saw it against JWS where he pushed forward. And obviously he's been pushing back a fair bit as well, which he's done all year. Uh, I liked uh, Lordy's little match-up for him. I think I had a bit of a thing about it. I reckon it's the right way to go, and that was, was Blixar's mm. play. Because he can run with him all game, and it would make, make Gorn more accountable going the other way. Uh, because obviously Blixar's has that running capacity, and he's very good in the air, and he can get dangerous, can find the footy. Uh, Reece Stanley isn't going to play, apparently won't get up, so they're going to play with Abbott. Yeah, or Zach Smith. Or Zach Smith, and they're not, um, they're barely a, a pinky, 
pinky toe or finger on ability on uh, Maxi Gorn. So, yeah, yeah I, I have a bad feeling about this for John. So, money angles. I'm presuming you're going to be tipping a lot into this. Oh, yeah. So, the, the win is still $1.74. The line's four and a half, so thank you very much. I uh, won't be touching the over-unders. Uh, first goal scorer is Sam Wiedemann. Most goals, Jake Malcolm. There's a bit of, uh, just a bit of spice for you. Yeah. But uh, my main bet would be Geelong, 61-75 points, $3.75. And uh, Melbourne, 91-105 is three seventy five as well. But yeah, I'll just be back in Melbourne to win at $1.74 and the line at $1.92. And I found out you know that quarter-by-quarter bet... So Melbourne are ranked top six on every metric this year, and they are first in many of these scoring capabilities, and they start quite quickly. And so based on their last couple of weeks, where they've actually started kicking straight as well and putting teams away earlier in matches, they could put a very slow starting Geelong very much on the back foot. They're ranked 10th for quarter one performances, and so you can get Melbourne to win the first, depending on which bookmaker you use, in between $1.80 to $1.92. That could almost be my lock of the week. Saturday, 420, we have yet another Battle of the Bridge. And as we lamented the fact that the pre-finals buy existed, both of these coaches will be thanking their lucky stars Could we now get to see an almost full-strength matchup for Battle of the Bridge, Funnels Edition, Mark II. So Sydney are up in both accounts this year. They had a 103 to an 87 win at the SCG in round three. They had an 80-60 to 60 win where Buddy said, jump on, boys, thanks very much to a, uh, a Phil Davis injury in round 22. Is this simply a case of Buddy versus the Giants? Pretty much. Oh, I, this is one of the games I actually don't know. Like, who to, who to tip? I mean, GOS are probably going to have Green come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's talk of Griffin, talk of Delidio, Wilson. Um, yeah, like all these other players, you know, Apparently coming back, geez, yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Like, Sydney's style versus, you know, GWS style. And GWS have been very good at contested footy this year. We spoke about it a bit, what started their run, you know, their, 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 win, their winning run. Uh, can, you, can you tip Sydney, though? Well, they had, you... they had all those losses. They came good, yeah, late in the year on the back of Buddy turning around his form with his supposed foot. You know, Heaney and, and Parker pretty much carrying them. The only, the only advantage I see here is that Calum Sinclair has been very, very good this year for Sydney. And while you know, it was a bit proppy after the, the Melbourne game, there is some doubts about him playing, but he, they have to push him through. Is it just a case that Sydney are, are probably a fitter side at the moment, uh, playing probably a little bit better given the last two rounds of the footy? I, I worry about Jeb West's inclusions, you know, so many of them. Are they fit? Jeremy Cameron's done nothing for pretty much the year. I know he's kicked, still kicked a few goals this year, but, gee, since he's been suspended and he's come back, he's done very little. And I reckon it almost this game could turn on either Franklin kicking a bag, because if he kicks a bag, he's going to get involved in the scoring assists and involved in setting up other scores. And Jeremy Cameron's the same, so, you know. And you know, I heard today Toby Green's... I can't remember who it was. I think it was one of the AFL uh, videos that Toby Green... First up from injury is generally very, very poor. So, you know, how, how well does he play? So Yeah. And I think we saw in previous both Battle of the Bridge Encounters and other games where the support cast isn't there, it's very easy to block Giants' run with by just by tagging Whitfield. So, the last two times they've played, 
uh, Whitfield has been kept to 15 and 14 touches. So if you keep him, keeping him in that less than 20 mark, it's going to be very easy for this for Sydney to keep it contested. And even though Giants are quite good at those clearances, if you can't get the run on the outside straight after the clearance, it makes it very easy for Sydney to bog this game down and make it us a low-scoring grind, which is what they did the second time around in that 80-60 to 60 win. But Williams comes back in after playing, you know, Neeful last week, or he's played the last two games in Neeful. He's back from injury, so we'll, you know Heath Shaw's obviously out. So Whitfield would obviously get the number one tag. There's no Heath Shaw, but with Wilson coming in, and he's a very attacking runner, good user of the footy. Would he have some say in the way the games play as well? Because obviously they go to Whitfield, he might be that he might become that player that Whitfield was. They might be able to use Whitfield in another position. And that's why I think I'm going to lean towards the Giants because I think. Even with their ins, the the quality of their ins, if they can, if a, a couple to all of them can stand up in that game, they'll have too much talent and too many avenues to go for Sydney to handle. Yeah, but it is a, it is a case of you're risking it on, you know, four to five people coming in for a final after playing footy for multiple weeks. Yeah, well, we also got the class of Kelly and Caniglio as well, you know, Dylan Shield. You know, you've got you've got talent. Look, what what do you make of Will Hoskin Elliott's comment? I think there's a lot of ex-Giants that have a bit of sour grapes. The likes of the hyphen saying, you know, oh, there was no culture, we all just played for ourselves. Well, you're looking at that through your own own lens. So it could have been the case that he played for himself because I think the environment that they had to start off with is a dangerous one for young players because they have to go... You're very insecure as a player in your first couple of years. So you're like, if I don't play well, I won't get in this side because it's, you know a million round one draft picks. Yeah. So that's obviously like, he's obviously thought is, oh, I'm playing for myself here because I need to prove myself. He's, he's playing with, he's, they're playing for each other. They're playing for the, because they're mates. They're playing yeah. for the boys, but not for the club. Mm. As he, when he's at Conor, mm. he feels like he's playing for the club. He's playing playing for the people. Mm. So yeah, I just found that an interesting comment, mm. you know, to say a couple of days out from a final and possibly we could be playing GWS next week. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards GWS, but I'm actually... Yeah, I could be anywhere. I'm leaving this game alone. No touch for me. Um, I'll probably back uh, Buddy for most goals because, you know, he'll be around the $3 mark and s- some money there. And I'll be on Himmelberg probably for most goals or Bonner most goals for GWS. So that's, that's where I'm going, but I probably won't be spending any money in that game. And I, I'm still very 50-50 on it all. I would be leaning towards the Giants just because the, the, that's what the value is at $2.10. And I think list v list as they stand at the moment, they have the better list. We we'll we have to wait and see the confirmed 22s. My only other thought there was uh, the under 56.5 points of the total match. A, that's a bit weather dependent, but B, their games so far have been, you know, that 80 v 60, that 70 v 50 type yep. thing in the past, especially when they're, when they're playing at the, at the SCG. So that's probably my other angle there. But again, it's probably one to, to watch. It's going to be interesting enough. That's the joy of finals that you don't have to bet because uh, those games are actually worth watching. So if you're unsure, keep your change and spend it on something else. All right, and our final game of the week, one that has been keeping Baz up for many sleepless nights. Not many experts, not even us. The real experts had either of these teams finishing in the top eight, let alone in the top four. And now they face off to be just two steps away from, a grand final. from an AFL grand final. Big, big game. Big, big game. Last time they met, Collingwood was put to the sword by the Eagles at the MCG, no less, 
Collingwood 67 lost uh, West Coast 102. But everything seems to be this week about how do you nullify Grundy's influence. I think we're having a massive overreaction to Rucks. I know we've had the two biggest... Not Grundy. No, but as in like we've had the two biggest Ruck names since. Maybe Dean Cox? Yeah, Dean yeah. Cox is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, he's very good. Um, and you Jim know... Jim Steins is pretty good. Jim Steins. The Maddens are very good. Yeah. So we haven't had we haven't had good rucks that can, you know proper footballers who are also rucks for a very long time, but I think we might be overreacting a little bit to their influence. Grundy, mate, he tackles, he gets clearances, he gets a lot of the footy around the ground. Running capacity is great. I, I, I don't think you under, I don't think we underestimate the rucks. I think Gorn's tap work at, as a tap ruckman definitely is a tap ruckman. Is, mm. Has has Grundy covered as a tap ruckman, but around the ground, and I know I'm a Collins supporter saying this, but Grundy has oh, yeah, any, a any, freak, any yeah. other ruckman covered, I reckon, mm. around the ground, and it's in, it, he's probably another year away from just taking those big contested marks a bit more often, and that that will just take him to a whole new level. Maybe getting on the score share a bit more again will take him to another level. But I'm actually. A lot of people have been talking about how last time we played him, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, obviously, we lost Darcy Moore pretty early in that game, um, which, which hurt us and, uh, you know, really, really hurt us. Uh, how, I can't remember if Howe played that game or not uh, off the top of my head, but I know we had a few injuries that day and Mason Cox didn't play as well. And, you know, everyone was, you know, I think it was Cameron Brown before, was saying that, you know, we had no one that day to, to match for Mitch, you know, Mitch, oh, sorry, for McGovern, Jeremy McGovern. We did. We actually had Cox, but he wasn't playing. So if we've got Cox, who can... We know his contested marking is up there this year. I think he's top five. And he's a marking capability. He's a dangerous dangerous proposition. Surely McGovern has to actually pay some attention to him, which then allows Mychek to do his thing, which allows the other small forwards to do their thing. To go, he's obviously going to be down there. He caused a few issues last time. The biggest problem for us last time was we got smashed around the footy. So at the contest, at the stoppages, we were absolutely hammered. Mm. Uh, and, you know, for the first half, well, quarter and a half, we were dominating that game, just couldn't put them away. So I think there's a lot of upside and a lot of lessons learned from that game. Um, obviously, Kennedy is going to be playing. He's back, and it's the first time, you know, I've heard about it a lot as well, that all six are playing together. That's correct. So the forward line that you'll have to defend this Week with a weakened defence all season will be Josh Candy, Jack Darling, Mark Carr, Jamie Cripps, Willie Rioli, and Liam Ryan. It's a pretty scary forward line. It is scary forward line. So I had a conversation you know, the other night about you know how for the other nights how we're gonna do things and like what it happens if this happens stuff like that. And at the end of the conversation, I said, you know what? If our midfielders win the contest and win the footy and our four line puts pressure on and, and wins the footy, it won't matter what our back line looks like because the ball, A, won't be getting down there much and B, it won't be get, getting down there efficiently. So they'll be able to you know help each other out and protect the ball and you know win their one-on-ones and stuff. If it, if it comes in lace, in, like lace out on leads, then they're going to get cut open. But any back line would. Mm. So... For me, if Collingwood's midfield stands up, which you know we got smashed last time, Grundy, you know, got beaten pretty comfortably by Lysette and Nick Nat, you know, for that period. Our four line stands up, then I think we're a better team in that part of the ground than West Coast. And if you actually look at the player rankings again, line them up on their distribution graph, 
your top half is far superior to West Coast. Yes. So they, they have these forwards, but in terms of the actual impact from midfielders that can roll forward, defenders that can use the ball going forward, forwards that can apply pressure, you're a much deeper batting lineup than West Coast. Yeah, our midfielders bats very deep. We've got lots of run and carry and speed. West Coast probably don't have, I mean, they have speed, but they probably don't have as much run and carry and, you know, influential midfielders that we've got. Mm. And like I said, the ruck contest would be a big one. And then, yeah, it's whether our forwards can lock it in and not allow intercept marks to be taken, which happened a lot last last game. It was, you know, we, we lost uh, Coxie before the game and my check got a bit lost trying to play a role that probably Cox would have played on, on McGovern. So... I think we we line up a lot better this game. Obviously, you know, if Trelaw comes in, it'll help. But I have a feeling they won't risk him in, until the next final, win or lose. Uh, Howe comes in, which is a massive in for us. And yeah, like they played Mad- Madston and uh, Oxley in the VFL for pretty much the whole game on the weekend. Uh, Goldsack played seventy five percent of the game. So whether there's a change there, I'm not sure. Whether they just told Oxley and Magden that they're playing for a spot each. They didn't. They didn't play. Uh, Murphy, so he, he he must be playing this week. You know, uh, Brown played really well for Collingwood and VFL as well. Uh, so yeah, but West Coast obviously will head in favourites, and they deserve the do because it's at home. But geez, I'm uh, I could be very disappointed Saturday. I, I feel could... like you're you're letting yourself dream, which I like because you're usually a fairly either grounded or some would say pessimistic fan. But I feel like you've let yourself dream. Now, my question here is, obviously, Bucks' game plan has been proven this year. Yeah. It's a high disposal rate game plan. Yeah. There's lots of handballs to release the kicker. It's worked all season. Yeah. But does it stand up in finals? Because there obviously is more times to apply pressure if you're, if you're using the ball more often. And you does. use it more than anyone else. I think it does. And I think even if we do kick that bailout kick, we've obviously got uh, Cox, Majacek, Dugowie down there now they can bring the ball to ground which allows you know your your Varcos and those sorts of blokes have an effect and Josh Thomas you know I, I feel for Varco hopefully I, 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 he wants to play and I have a feeling he's going to play probably one of his better games because I don't know if you've noticed with Varco but whenever there's an emotion behind the game like his 20th game 25th game or there's something big about it he generally rises to the occasion so yeah hopefully Varco plays and plays a good game and Collingwood get up for his you know they're generally pretty good at getting around each other like too Collingwood alright so we have any punting perspectives for our followers out there on this one I'm just going to go Collingwood head to head 235 uh, I'm going to tip Varco to kick first goal and yeah oh, yeah I'm daring the dream mate dare to dream dare to dream Ladies and gents, it is Feature Bets time, and if you tune on back two weeks ago, at this time of the pod, our dear friend Baz said that this is the time of year that he shines, shines, so expect profits, or hit up at the barrel underscore Randall on Twitter and let him know your complaints and uh, improvements. All right, our best bet number one is Richmond to cover the four and a half line in the fourth quarter, paying $1.83. And our second best bet of the round will be Melbourne to cover the slender margin of four and a half, paying the customary $1.92. Get your weekend off to a good start there with a Thursday-Friday double. Our value bet is Richmond to lead by 13 to 24 at halftime in that Thursday night match, paying $4.30. That's a very confunctious Baz bet there for that one. But they have been paying off this year. 
Uh, Ruffy is uh, a sad time for Geelong fans out there. Pour one out. Melbourne to win by a whopping 40 plus is paying and equally whopping $6. But all the stats suggest that there's going to be some bad news times for those diehard Cats fans. And our multi, which is definitely due, it's the Jewest it's ever been, <laughs> is going to just go straight tips for the weekend. So we're tipping Richmond, Melbourne, the Giants and Collingwood. And if that gets up, we'll see a very, very happy Baz, especially if he's on the 19s win, because he'll have $11.76 in his pocket as well. May your funnels teams get up, and for the sake of everyone, let's hope the pies have an upset.